Now this morning, Acts chapter 3, and we're still in a series of messages on the church. I firmly believe it to be most necessary. And from time to time, humans are just like instruments or vehicles uh, or anything else you got. They get out of whack, you know, they, they need to be recalibrated uh, or there needs to be a tune-up uh, done. And, and us humans, we're that way. Uh, I dare say that unlike modern-day cars, they'll go 100,000 miles between tune-ups. Humans are not like that, and we can lose our way. Uh, this being the information age, if you've noticed, uh, it seems like we're having to process a whole lot more information than we had years ago, especially if you have a smartphone device. And I noticed uh, a couple weeks back I was preaching on God's funding for the church, and I noticed that all of my feeds was all about these uh, YouTube sermons and preachers that says, you don't have to tithe or you don't have to do that. Uh, the thing must be listening, you know, and, and, and they say they got that technology. They listen and then they think that's what you like. And I was actually preaching on tithing, but I was... Uh, <laughs> it was sure to show me all the message of modern day preachers on why not the tithe. And I'm thinking, if you're having to go through all that different information also, and I'm sure you do, you could uh, lose your way through the tall grass. And so from time to time, uh, God puts these subjects on my heart. And it's not that anything's going wrong, but we need to be reminded, recalibrated, so we understand that we're doing right and that we're doing it the way the Word of God says to do it. And then God will bless it. Now, we won't uh, have the world's blessing we won't have lost people's blessings. There's nothing in lost people that makes them want to come to church. So the only way you can grab them is through entertainment or programs. And that really was not what God's intent was. God's intent was the preaching of the Word of God. And we've seen that in the first few uh, messages that we preached on the church. One on who started it. I've been told through my uh, ministry time, a lot of people, they got this idea that men started the church. And it was a genius way to get more money out of people so that preachers could live easy lives. Apparently, I missed something somewhere there, but it's okay. Uh, I've been a slow learner in my life. And so other folks, they think that God provides every pastor with a money tree in the backyard. And I missed out on that too. And, and that's not there. So then we got into God's funding for the church. And then we got on to God's purpose for the church. What was the purpose of the church? And then we've seen how God blessed the church. But now we're going to begin to chase, Lord willing, I don't know how long the Holy Spirit will keep me on this trail, but my intent is to chase this church through the book of Acts and see what God uh, is doing, what did they do, and then we'll end up probably somewhere in the Pauline epistles on what we call the pastoral epistles and what the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, had him pen because God's never behind time. As amazing as that, I was looking at 2 Thessalonians or 2 Timothy, pardon me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and uh, I was. Uh, well, my mind wanders when I mow, and I was mowing up there uh, the, at the parsonage. And uh, uh, the Lord put this thought on my mind because we've also been on a series of sermons on uh, the family and pitfalls in the home. And I, I think there is another sermon coming uh, there based out of 2 Timothy chapter 3 where he says about the last days, uh, perilous times shall come for men. Uh, they be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Uh, they'll be haughty, high-minded, so on and so forth. And so my thought was, that don't just happen. 
A child doesn't go to bed or a person going to go to bed one night and wake up the next day and they're part of that crowd that has a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. So the message was raising the last generation. They're raised that way. And so I'll stop there because I won't preach that today. Uh, let's, let's preach this, and I believe it to be an important topic. Let's read some scripture here, starting in verse 1 of Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. A couple things I'm going to point out by way of introduction. Why was it the ninth hour? Well, uh, that's... That was the hour that Christ had given up the ghost on the cross. So they're in remembrance of that. Number two, it was part of worship, and they're in the temple, but they did not go to the sacrifice. The sacrifice had already been done. They showed up for the prayer service, still very applicable. And we see this element... Still in operation, you have two of these pastors here in this first church. And we're going to see here right here in chapter 3 and chapter 4 that there is 5,000 more people added all to the already 3,000. Then it's going to begin to multiply. By the time, if my memory serves me correct, we get to the end of the book of Acts, there'll be close to 50,000 people in this first church. And so Peter and John, they're coming up to the temple to pray. One of the fundamentals of the church is prayer. And a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. And then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them. So he goes through the gates into the temple. Walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held people, Peter, now I'll talk about that in a moment. It just jumped out to me uh, this week as I begin to study this. He's still hanging on to Peter and John. He won't let them go. All the people ran together unto them into the porch, or in the porch, that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Now, here's where some of the basis of the message comes from. And he says, And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, now why marvel ye at this, or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power, our holiness, we have made this man to walk. So he makes sure they understand it's not any power that's in him. And I will tell you, there is no power in our flesh. Our flesh, there's nothing good in it. The only thing good inside of each and every one of us, if you're born again, is Lord Jesus Christ. And your holiness is not going to help anybody else. I'm not trying to preach against holiness. We need to be holy because God commanded us. He says, be holy as I am holy. But our holiness does not empower us to do anything for God. And Peter's making that point clear. But then, and I was reminded of this, be instant in season and out of season. And one of the preachers 
that I was friends with years ago is gone to glory. It says that being instant out of season means sometimes you'll have an opportunity to preach and other times you'll have to drop the hat and create the opportunity to preach. And that's what Peter does here. He says, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up. He's confronting them about sin immediately. Notice he didn't start, you men of Israel and Jerusalem, you can live your best life now. All you got to do is love yourself. Before you can, it didn't start that way, did it? The Bible will teach you how to preach biblically. Now watch this. He said, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate and when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer. They were more friendly with a murderer to be granted unto you than with Jesus. What a thought. And killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses. He said, we've seen the risen Savior whom you killed. Mm-mm-mm. And his name, amen. In, in his name, through faith in his name. He's talking about getting saved. Hath made this man strong whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of of y'all, let's pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Lord, help us today. Help me strike any false way from me. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, as I stand behind this pulpit, handling the Word of God, let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Feed these people, your sheep. Lord, bless them in a special way for making an effort to come today. Now, there's some here that are not here I don't know why. Some may be because they're sick. Some might have had to work. But Lord, you know the situations. Now, if there be any lost, maybe they're watching the live stream. I would love uh, the Holy Spirit to speak to their heart about the power of Christ and how it can work in their lives. Be with us the rest of this day. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. So this week, here in chapter 3, we're going to learn the type of preaching that changes lives. And if we would have took the time to read the whole chapter, Peter brings them again to a decision, which is one of the points that makes preaching and teaching different. Teaching is just an assimilation of material that you're going to lay out to the listener they can take it or leave it. But preaching is a truth or a principle. And there's a line drawn in the sand. And then the hearer is brought to a decision. Generally, it's going to be a yes or a no with God. Yes, I see it. Yes, I need this. Yes, I'm going to make adjustments or no, I'm not buying that. No, I see that that's truth, but I'm not making adjustments. Therefore, out of your own mouth, God will judge you accordingly. Because God knows the intents and thoughts of a man's heart afar off. So preaching is very necessary. Uh, Paul commanded Timothy to preach. Today, they're wanting to get away from preaching the Bible even says in that last generation that people that do not want to endure the sound doctrine, they'll begin to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. That means they want their ears tickled. And again, this goes back to what I opened with of about being bombarded with all types of different information. I, there'll be a preacher, you pick your poison. There'll be a preacher or a teacher, let me put it like a, a teacher, not a preacher, but a teacher that'll line up with all the things you feel like are right. 
All you got to do is search long enough. And the Bible says that these people, because they don't like preaching, people don't like it, because it makes them make a decision and they don't like that pressure. And it's Holy Ghost pressure. And so they begin to branch out and look for different teachers and they'll listen and they'll take it in. And the Bible says they're ever learning, ever on this journey of knowledge. I'm searching for knowledge. But they're never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You want to know why? Because once you start accepting the devil's light, God shuts his light down for you. And if you want to dabble in teachers because you got inching ears and pull all that stuff in and you'll have a rebuttal for everything that is preached from the Word of God, God will shut the light off for you and you will sit as a vessel of dishonor because you don't like the preaching, you won't deal with it no more, you're not going to endure it, and so you'll sit in darkness. So preaching... That is what was in the early church. That's what one of the doctrines of the apostles was, was to preach that we are to continue in. And so Peter drops the hat. He has drawn a crowd on the testimony of this man who everybody knew was lame. So he had a previous testimony. He laid at the gate, full of, uh, not full of sores, but that's Lazarus, but he's laid at the gate, the beautiful gate. He was impotent, according to chapter 4. That means he was unable, under his own power, to make changes in his life. And so the Lord does a miraculous Thing in his life, and Peter uses this testimony to begin to preach to a big group of people here because 5,000 out of that group get saved. Not all of them, but 5,000 out of the group do. So Peter is preaching. He said, I really don't believe that. Look at verse 19. He's preaching, and then verse 19 Watch the decision. Repent ye therefore. Oh, he, he ain't teaching. He's preaching. And he says, now you need to deal with this information I just give you. And see, the Jews, and this is why one of the miracles of Christ, or the miracles of Christ when Christ healed a man... And then, especially when he got to raising the dead, it had never been done. And, and then Christ gives sight to the blind man who had been blind from his mother's womb. And no man could do those things except he were sent of God. And God's telling him, I'm God manifest in the flesh, and then performs the act. And the best they could do, because they were going to reject it, was he has to be doing that after the power of the devil. They were wrong, but they made a decision. They rejected Christ. But some here get saved. So Peter drops the hat and begins to preach. And so it started with one soul truly getting saved. That's why I emphasize that part where he was hanging on still to Peter and John. And so we see, after this conversion, there was others that knew this man, but he knew him, and they took interest. It drew a crowd. I believe this man was sick of his life the way that it was. I believe that he was sick of having to be carried everywhere he went. He had to live in what people would give him. And as I said earlier, he was impotent. He was unable on his own power to take care of himself. We've seen in our text that someone actually carried him to this gate. And it implies that they did so daily. I believe this man was sick of himself. This man was a perfect candidate for salvation. Now I'm going somewhere with this. 
So hang with me. I'm trying to get the boat to plane out. <laughs> I'll find the opening here in a minute. This man, I believe he has a born-again experience touched by the Savior because Peter and John said, it was nothing we did. It was not the power in us, and it was not our holiness, but it was God working through us that healed this man. And it brought great change in his life. I'm going to give you a quote from Charles Spurgeon. It's going to be a paraphrased quote. I have a couple of them today, but Charles Spurgeon said this in his day. He is considered to be the prince of preachers. Charles Spurgeon said this, 80% of the people in his congregation, he firmly believed, had never had a born-again experience. He lived around the last of the 18, 1880s, 1890s. I don't remember when he died. But he firmly believed that 80% of the congregation had never had a born-again experience. Now, that, that is a play on words. Because there's been a lot of professors. There's been a lot of ritualistic professions. There's been a lot of people that was trapped in a particular situation in their life. And so they thought that they could relieve the pressure that was building up by tapping out and saying, you know what, I'll try this out. But they have never had a born-again experience. And I'm going to allow the text to show us what the Bible's talking about, then give you a couple of examples in the Word of God besides this man where that happened. And then I'm going to bring you to a decision. I believe that the main reason why men and women are not truly saved today, born again, is because they have an appetite for filth. When a person gets sick and tired of their sins, they'll come to Jesus. Until a person comes or becomes sick of their sins, they will not come to Christ. Once you get sick of yourself, you'll come to the cross. You're just not sick of yourself yet. The prodigal son, does that ring any bells? I got news for you. That prodigal father, there's a reason he didn't leave that porch. And you've heard me preach that. There's too many parents taking bread and water down to the hog pit to their wayward child. And if you keep doing that and keep enabling that, he'll never come to himself. He was not sick of himself yet. And we get in the way of God of working in lives and in hearts. Until God has to break most of us before he can do anything with us. And too often we get in God's way. And that's why people are not being born again. Truly, they have not had a born again experience. They've said a sinner's prayer. They've, they've uh, uh, got baptized, uh, uh, they put on a clean set of clothes, and boy, they show up to church for a while, but they cannot maintain that because there's not any new life down there. And it's because they've not repented. They're not sick of their sin yet. They're not sick of themselves yet. You know, I've learned this in counseling. Most people, when they come to me, it's not that they want to change their circumstance. They just want to change the result of their circumstance. They want to continue doing what they're doing because there's pleasure in sin for a season. They just don't like harvest. And so they come in to me for advice and counsel, not because... They want to change the circumstance. They like that. They just want to change the result. So it's more benefiting to them. I got news for you. It ain't, won't change. You got to change the circumstance. I threw that in there free. That's not in the PowerPoint. <laughs> and so this man, 
surely gets born again. And the power of Christ, and that's what's being pushed here. And I told you what Preacher John said, that in his opinion, the difference between preaching and teaching was preaching has to have the inspiration, the Holy Spirit of God behind it, working through it. You need to partner with the Holy Spirit of God through the preaching to be able to work on the hearts of the people to bring them to the right decision. But the power of Christ, I want to preach on this morning, the power of Christ, as we see in our text in verse 8, will give you the power to stand. My mind immediately went to Ephesians chapter 6. The Bible says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. That's amazing. A lost person can't do that for very long. You want to know why? Oh, they'll stand with you for a while, but they can't withstand. He said, First, you're going to have to learn how to withstand. And if the Holy Spirit of God is not down inside of you, and you've not received the power of Christ through the gospel, you're not going to be able to withstand this evil world, and you'll become entangled again with the affairs of this world because you're not sick of sin. I believe He'll give you the power to stand for God. As the Bible says here in Ephesians, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. You're going to have the power to stand for the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, which you have to have Him to give you the discernment on the things of God. That's why I said a couple of weeks back that you will not understand the church if you do not have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. You won't... (laughs) understand a lot of the deep things in the Word of God without the Holy Spirit of God. You'll just keep ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. At some point, you've got to say enough is enough. The Bible's true. This stuff is a bunch of nonsense. Stick with the book. I try to give people biblical answers. I try to base answers that I give people out of the Word of God are parts and pieces of verses where there are principles and truths given. Why? Because I don't know everything about what this world calls science. Most of it is jaded. But I do know the Word of God and it'll never steer you wrong. I'm sticking with the book. And if that makes me look like I'm ignorant and unlearned, then so be it. But I'll have spent some time with Christ. And when the Holy Spirit of God and the power of Christ touches your life, you'll be able to stand for the truth. But you'll stand for the Word of God. You won't be on the fence on that thing. You'll stand for the Word of God and it'll be the basis of your faith and practice. You'll stand for the Gospel. And you will not tolerate a false Gospel. And you'll stand with the men of God. He stands up with Peter and John. He doesn't remain seated outside the gates. Did you see that? You see, I know a lot of people said they got saved that are still outside the gate and they're impotent. They have no control in their life. Sin still has a hold. Sin still has them in bondage. Sin still has them impotent. Oh, I'm saved. I've told people, don't you be relying on me to give you a hope that you think you're saved because I might think you're saved. Don't do that. This Bible says you'll know. I'm showing you the Word of God when I'm done with the message. You will know. Because I'm going to ask you a really pointed question. And we'll wait to the end of the message. And you're going to have to answer that. On whether you've had a born again experience or not. Has the power of Christ touched your life? Or are you still outside the gate? 
Because the power of Christ, like this man here, the Bible's true. This is the still the same God. This is the same God that we serve. This is the God that spoke the worlds into existence. This is the God that fed two million people in the wilderness with manna for 40 years and their clothes did not wear out. This is the same God that parted the Red Seas. This is the same God that defeated the enemies of the nation of Israel. This is the same God that preserved His Word to every generation. That's the one we're serving. That's the one I'm serving. I don't know maybe which one you're serving. Because when the power of Christ touches you, you're going to have the power because it's not your power. Peter clarifies that. Folks, do you understand? I'm not standing here today because I have power in Todd Gabbard. No, 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 no. And if you're thinking that, you've been deceived. It's only by the power of Christ. What did this Bible say? What did the Apostle Paul say? Only by the grace of God I am what I am. Only by the power of Christ have God given me the ability to stand for the truth, the ability to stand for God, to stand for the Word of God and the Gospel and stand with the men of God. But then I see that when the power of Christ touches you, verse 8, He gives you the power to walk. Does not the Bible say there in Ephesians 4, verse 17, walk not as other Gentiles walk, but He says, who walk in the vanity of their mind? He said, I want you to walk how I've taught you to walk as Christians. Well, people can't do that if they've never had the power of Christ touch their life. God gives this man the power to walk. He had been impotent from his mother's womb. It's a perfect classic picture of how you and I are born, lost, and condemned. The devil, us child, and we're impotent. There's nothing we can do to save ourselves until we hear the preaching in the gospel. You see, and he said, look on us means he had his attention. He says faith in Christ there in verse 16. He gives him power to walk, to walk for Christ, to put on the new man. He didn't stay outside the gate now, did he? Uh, I mean, he walked inside the gate. He didn't stop and get stumbled at the door. Jesus Christ said, I am the door. A lot of people, they're still outside the door. That's because the power of Christ has not touched them. When the power of Christ touches you, he's going to give you the power to walk for Christ the power to put on the new man. You're not going to walk like the other Gentiles walk no more. He wasn't walking like he used to, carried by others. And others could see this change. <laughs> Scripture again. <laughs> he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You can't deny this is what's happened to this man. This is true. Holy Spirit conviction and true salvation. And where you see the power of Christ. What did he say about there? To that last generation is going to be raised. He said they got a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. I was doing a little studying on that just a little bit. He says they're a walking contradiction. Oh, I've received Jesus. But they're still outside the gate. Oh, I love Jesus, but I hate church. They're still outside the gate. I love Jesus, but God's church ain't important to me. You're still outside the gate. You're still impotent. You've not been given the power to walk. Others will see this change in you. It'll be so evident immediately. You know, we do a lot of quantifying. 
And, and we, we bent, and, and I'm one of those kind of people, I want everybody to like me. And so I say, you know, new birth, you know, it, the growth could take you some time. Don't work on, don't jump on too many things at once. And that's me. The book says, oh no, you once was blind, you once was lost, but now you see God's going to give you the power. And that ch- power is going to be so powerful, it will change you immediately. That testimony drew a crowd. Verse 8. When you truly get born again, it gives you the power to attend. Now loosen up. I'm not going down the same path I did last week about church attendance. But it does show up again. He immediately immediately comes through the gate and he walks into the temple with the man of God. You know, I've been accused. Some some people say, you've abandoned me. I'm still in the same place every Sunday. Morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I've not went nowhere. But I kid you not, I'm not walking with you to buy your dope or anything else you're buying and how you want to live your life, I will be walking to the temple at the hour of prayer. And if the power of God has ever touched your life, you've truly been born again, you'll be here with me. Or in other churches that are of like faith and like-mindedness. The power to attend. He changed where he went. He could have went anywhere. He now has been healed. He could walk. He could leap. And so what does he do? Thanks. Have a nice day, Peter. (laughs) Good. Catch you on the flip side. There's that quarter (laughs) that the guy before you gave me, and I'm gone. I got to go to Dollywood. (laughs) I I, got to, whatever it is. That tickles your fancy. He did not do that because the power of Christ touched that man that day. And he changed where he went. He went into the house of God. The temple is called the house of God, you know. I know some would argue because they're heaping to themselves teachers. Well, that was the temple. Uh, Study your Bible. He called it the house of God. I know David had more than once the house of God give him the power to walk he wasn't going to walk like he used to walk he couldn't walk (laughs) then he wouldn't let go of Peter and John verse 11 not only come into the house of God not only to have the power to walk and he leaped Did you see that up there in verse 8? He leaped at the chance to go to the house of God. You see that? It shouldn't be on a Sunday morning. (laughs) Now i got to go to church. I don't know that preacher is going to be around. (laughs) You should be leaping at the chance to hear something from the Lord. This man did. You see, he wouldn't let go of Peter and John. That's the men of God. I still remember like it was yesterday, the preacher that was preaching the morning I got saved, Brother Jack Grigsby. You know, I was involved in his life until the end of his days. The person that leads you to Christ has a pretty strong impact on your life. And he leapt at the opportunity to go to church. That's what the power of Christ does. There's one more thing. When you've been touched, it's in the text. This is called expository preaching. This is not my opinion of what I thought happened. Peter literally touched him. And the Holy Spirit of God touched him through the preacher. It gave him the power to praise. Ain't that what verse 8 says? It says, and he leaping, 
He stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping. Kind of sound like running and shouting and praising God. Yeah, that's why I told you, if you want to run and shout, that's fine. I'm not against it. It's in the Bible, brothers and sisters. It's in the Bible. Just don't hurt yourself and don't hurt anybody else. I'm all for it if God's in it. You know, sometimes we need a good happy time in the Lord. Well, I got news for you. If the power of Christ has never touched you, you don't know what happiness is. You don't know what praise is. You know, he had no problem praising God's what I'm saying. You ever ask people for a testimony? I don't put people on the spot. Maybe I should. Oh, I just can't talk. Well, it's funny. You got a driver's license, don't you? Yeah. Well, you had to talk somebody to get that. Got your picture taken, didn't you? Got a Facebook account, don't you? You ain't that shy. You go to the grocery store, don't you? Yeah. You pay the cashier, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy that nonsense. You want to know why you can't praise God? The power of Christ has never touched you. You can't testify to something that's not happened. You don't know how to talk about it. This man had no problem praising God. You know, he was not going to be a silent about the goodness of God. We shouldn't be silent about that. About the gospel of God and about the power of God. And he had no problem testifying about what God had done in his life. You know, I appreciated Brother Tim, Sister Peggy, when they got up to sing with us. They both gave us a short word of testimony. I like that. Because when you've been touched by the power of God, you just can't stay silent about that. You'll have to tell somebody. You'll have to raise your hand a little bit. You'll have to speak up because the Holy Spirit of God will not let you remain silent. When you study the Scriptures, you'll learn that everything Jesus touched, He changed. Think about that for a moment. The blind man. Lazarus, Mary Magdalene, anything, the bread and fish, anything he touched, he changed. That's a truth. Let me give you a couple illustrations of other conversions in the Bible. Remember the Apostle Paul? He was a church persecutor. He the Bible says he made havoc of the church. One of their tactics was they would come in pretending to be a Christian and then split the thing wide open and cause a church split. That's what he did when he was lost. And then he'd haul them off once he got them divided and fighting and haul them to prison. And he testified to many of them to give his testimony saying they deserved death. That's what he did before he got saved. But when he met Christ on the road to Damascus, uh, nobody had to beg him to get into church. Nobody had to beg him to say, oh, well, you know, there's a growth process. Paul didn't say, you know, I just can't get this killing Christians out of my blood, you know. I'm going to have to keep doing that. You know, I'll grow in Christ. Give me some time to grow. No, he changed immediately because the power of Christ was working in him. And by the way, Christians don't persecute Christians, by the way. Bible's clear on that. Well, I was years ago, not by children of God, maybe children of Satan. What did the Bible say? Devil plants the tares with the wheat. Got to learn how to spot them. How about the Philippian jailer? A man who believed in imperialism, believed that Caesar was God. Boy, he comes marching in that night under a praise and song service, praying and singing and praising God. Praise service. That earthquake hit because that place got to shaking. And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He receives Christ and immediately he takes them home, washes them, 
put some ointment on their wounds, there was change, wasn't there? Big change. The power of Jesus worked through Peter and John to change this man forever. Peter and John led this man to Christ. That is what they had to give him. He said, silver and gold have I none. He wasn't going to use the church money to feed the homeless. Now, I know I just made a bunch of people mad. You want to do that? And that's your ministry? That's great. You make sure you tell them about Jesus first. Before they get anything out of it. That's what happened here, right? That's what the Bible says, right? He said, silver and gold, it ain't time for that yet. Such as I have give I thee, the gospel's free. You know, I've done that to a lot of people that's walked through that door demanding money. And I said, you know what? We don't have no money to give. I used to get conned. And the church people had to come to me and say, you're getting conned. So I set up a committee. Half of them sitting back there. I said, if you, now, if you come in needing money, if you can convince them to, to say, yeah, that it's legit, I'll approve it. Nobody's ever went to talk to them back there. I don't know why. But I always tell them, I have the gospel. And I quote that verse. And under every, every instance, they turn around with something smart elically to say and walk off. Generally, it's, now I thought you were a Christian. Some pastor you are. I was just trying to give you the gospel to let Jesus touch your life. Something to think about. In this man's life, old things were passed away. He had been carried to the beautiful gate every day. He could not walk. He could not stand. He could not leap. He could not go on in his own power. All things had become new. Has the gospel changed you? Do you stand for Christ? Do you walk for the Lord? Do you leap at the chance to go to the house of God? Do you praise a living Savior? Or are you still outside the gate? What I'm asking you, can you ever remember a time in your life where you could relate to this man and say, <laughs> I remember, I'm pretty backslid right now, preacher, but I remember the day when Jesus touched me. I was so excited about church. I was so excited about the Word of God. I was so excited to sit under the preacher to learn more about God. I remember it. Then you've experienced the power of Christ, born again. Now, you might not be like that today. That's called backslid. That can happen. You need to be recalibrated. You need a tune-up. But if you can't say... No, not just preacher come, said, hey, say this sinner's prayer. No big deal. See you later. Fire insurance paid. Eh, let's go buy some dope. Let's go get drunk. Let's keep living how we were living. I might see you in church, might not. I don't really care about the things of God. You know, it's okay. You do, you boo. If that's how you think your salvation experience went, you're lost. The Bible's clear. Six years old. Six years old. Now, I didn't have a whole lot of sins to repent. I was trying to remember them here last night. I remember being mean to my sister. I knew that was wrong. Okay. I remember lying, wanting to lie. I knew that was wrong. I remember stealing cookies that I wasn't allowed to have. So I, you know, I didn't have a whole lot of sins to confess and to repent of. But I will tell you, the moment I asked Jesus into my heart, standing in a pew at an invitation, Brother Jack Grigsby preached on, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So afraid I couldn't walk an aisle. Had been told not to walk an aisle. Or I would be in trouble. And I knew what that meant. 
You know something? As soon as I walked out those doors that day, the sky was bluer. I remember it like it happened yesterday. The sun was brighter. The air smelt better. And I couldn't keep it a secret. I even remember what we ate that day. KFC chicken. And there's only one way to eat that. Mashed potatoes and gravy and coleslaw. The biscuit. And I had two of my favorite pieces. That day I had a leg and a wing. And I couldn't keep it silent. I had to tell my mom and dad what had happened. I couldn't keep it silent. You know, I still remember like that was yesterday. You know, there's been many times I've failed Christ and got backslid and needed to be revived. But I had a born-again experience that changed me forever. And there's been times when I could have fallen into sin that the Holy Spirit of God was in me and says, No, you ain't doing it. It began to constrain you. I wasn't impotent. No more. As a six-year-old boy, and if a six-year-old boy can change and can remember that there was a born-again experience and I couldn't keep it a secret, I had to praise God and I wanted to cleave, cleave to the man of God and live for God and take a stand for God all these years. Have you? Have you experienced that? Or are you still outside the gate? Having a form of godliness. Going through the motions. But you're impotent. And you deny the power. Well, it works different in different people's lives. No, it don't. It's going to work like that. <laughs> it's going to work like that. Let's all stand. So my question to you. Has the power of Christ touched you? Song of invitation, please. Well, preacher, I didn't leap. No, I didn't leap either. But I sure wanted to inside. I didn't understand fully what had happened to me that day. I just knew I gave my heart to Jesus. He was going to be my Lord. Nope, I've not done everything right. <laughs> I've failed so many times, but he's still my constant guide and protector. And someday, I'm going to be with him. Charles Spurgeon said that he believed 80% of his congregation had never had a born-again experience. They had made professions. They had went through the motions. But they had never changed. They're still outside the gate. A lot of people still outside the gate.